there is no doubt that, you know, whether you're Pep Guardiola, or, you know, whoever you are, you are making decisions based on information. It, it was creeping in at the senior clubs by the time I got back to Everton as manager and Manchester City. We probably hadn't seen anything like it in this country. It was totally revolutionary in, in the time. This is The Boot Room. Our story doesn't start on the pitch. It starts 12,000 miles from where we are right now. Forget Pep Guardiola, forget Jurgen Klopp. The crucial part of teams these days are the satellites that are above us. Yeah, so, I mean, the fundamentals of the technology is up in the sky, um, there's hundreds of different satellite systems. There's a whole bunch of different constellations of satellites. We spoke with William Strange, the CEO of SBT. It was launched in 2015 and has grown out of his family basement into a business selling into over 100 countries, 13 languages and nine different sports that are above us. The ability to have waves basically going in between and frequencies going in between um, those constellations and those systems Mm -hmm. to take a longitude, a latitude point at any given time um, and also speed calculations and a bunch of others, which then we mesh with Um, accelerometer data, um, magnetometer data, gyroscope data, um, quaternion data to basically predict the movement and the the positional movement, the um, G-forces through the body, steps, stride, all that sort of stuff throughout a game. But how did it all begin? Well, in the English game, we take you to Belfield, Everton. In 1970, there was a perfect storm. The Everton manager at the time, Harry Catterick, his decisions changed football forever. We spoke to Patrick Boyland at The Athletic, who had delved deep into the story of how tracking and analysing players came about. Catrick was looking for a means of reducing the amount of injuries in the Everton squad. They'd won the title in 69-70, but the year after they'd slumped into mid-table and he believed that was partly as a result of injuries. When he was approached by Vaughan Lancaster, who was connected to the University of Liverpool Polytechnic, working yeah. in their sports science department. And Vaughan Lancaster had a meeting with John Moores where he'd outlined what he would like to do. And effectively, he was proposing a research project of yeah. three years worth about £13,000 in order to assess professional footballers' capabilities, physical and also psychological. With the project put forward by Thomas, he assigned a research assistant, Tom Riley, a man from County Mayo in Ireland. These two men changed the course of English football. But how did they really do it? Those guys pitched up at Everton and they were just given unbelievable access for the time. So they would go to training sessions and film training sessions. Riley would go to games with his stopwatch and a pen and paper. And he'd be recording data from the games. It was not just purely physical. They were not just monitoring training sessions introducing weightlifting in the gym to these Mm -hmm. players it went far beyond that and it was really innovative for its time we probably hadn't seen anything like it in this country this giant leap for football couldn't have started without the players buying into it riley and thomas had to create a relationship with them riley in particular developed a really close relationship with the players now maybe maybe that's a bit curious because they would go away on pre-season tour in, I think it was 1972, the summer of 1972, they went away to Sweden and Riley 
strap the players up and oh, yeah. would then go into their rooms at three o'clock in the morning, turn on the lights and check their pulse rate. <laughs> so I could imagine in, initially there must have been quite a lot of scepticism about yeah. this. I'm, I'm pretty sure some of the professional footballers today would not want you to be doing that. Prolific Everton striker at the time, Joe Royal, gave us his insight to what it was really like for the players experiencing this for the first time. I got on well with him, as we all did. He was a nice fella. You know, he, he used to sit at the back of the coach on away trips and uh, and used to bring a quiz in, you know, as the lads <laughs> enjoyed and that, you know. So, you know, apart from that, we, we could tell even when he was training with us, he was a very fit guy. Different reaction from different players in the team and, and uh, you know, some quite comical, you know, some when asked to even get weighed. I remember one player just, you know, stripped down to the nude and stood there, you know, as if, if, if asking if this was normal, you know, but of course it wasn't. It meant down to your shorts. You know, the, the youngsters were more receptive than mm. the, the elder players in, in the team, put it that way. It was quite revolutionary, you know, when you go into a gymnasium and you're asked to run as hard as you can for as long as you can across the gym, uh, touching the wall and going back and touching and, 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 you know, run yourself to exhaustion levels. And that's what they were testing for was exhaustion levels. And players cruised, as they probably did in, in games, um, it, it was it was totally revolutionary in, in the time. Um, a fair play for to Harry Catrick, the manager for seeing that and bringing them in. Thanks to these pioneers, Riley and Thomas, football on a whole changed forever. Everton's manager Harry Catterick was the first of many managers to delve into the world of tracking all aspects of his players. But how did the managers use this information to give their team an advantage? There is no doubt that. You know, whether you're Pep Guardiola, you know, whoever you are, you are making decisions based on information. Now, are you making it every time? And do you override that decision with your own gut feel or your own eye for, for talent? So, again, probably looking at a geographical area, you go to Germany and they don't care. They're, you know, they're so set in their ways. But you look at also the average coaching age in Germany and it's like 68. You move to England and you're talking, you know, mid-30s now. Um, you know, a couple of the older guys are gone, but so that, that age of the technologists is coming around. And so mm-hmm. that's where I think this is finding its place. It was creeping in at the senior clubs. By the time I got back to Everton as manager at Manchester City, yes, there was a, a very basic analysis, but nothing like the, the um, analysis that there is now. So, you know, football wasn't... <laughs> wasn't, how would I say, immune to the progress that was happening, you know, but there were different levels of acceptance, to say the least. There's two schools of thought on this as to whether the manager would be um, run by the the scientific side in this team selection or whether, yes, you know, the the analysis would confirm what his eyes had seen. I mean, there's no way that... You know, I've ever known of a, a manager that had his team um, picked for the, the the weekend and then on the Friday had another look at the analysis and, and changed it on the base of that. I, I do truly believe that, you know, it is endlessly valuable when there's returning to play, lowering injury rates, keeping people out of the track because at the end of the day, if you're not on the pitch, you can't win a game. So today, what does football rely on? Where's the next step? How would this side of the game evolve? And... What will it become? I certainly think it's changing, yeah. um, you know, depending on what level you're talking about. So the, mm-hmm. the technology itself has been in the professional level for now probably 10 years. Um, 
but it's been embedded in systems for probably two now um, to the point where, you know, there will be a team running the, the technology stack to understand the in-game information and in-training information. Oh, look, if I knew this, I'd, um, you know, be jet-setting around the world, maybe not at yeah. the moment, but, um, you know, I, I've certainly, you know, I do think that prediction and analytics go hand in hand. You know, the holy grail is, is making decisions based on information. I guess it's difficult to say yeah. what's going to come next. Yeah. Um, certainly not being somebody who's particularly au fait with the latest kind of sports science techniques or the latest analytics trends. I think what, one thing I would point out is that we all already are seeing analysts use different data and privilege different metrics. You know, football might not as always might not have always been so overtly aware of sports science, but I think it's caught up now, you know, and, and certainly the big clubs, if, if you look at what the top sides are using now and the number of analysis uh, and the different kinds of analysis that they're taking on board, sports science is here to stay. So this idea of technology has grown from Merseyside, from using pen and paper, to the entire world of football with the use of satellites orbiting our planet. Without the perfect storm at Everton, the way English football would have been managed and played would be a whole lot different. With the great insights of our guests, we have learned about technology is ever-evolving and definitely here to stay. Make sure you watch this space for more stories about behind the scenes of football. This is The Boot Room. 